Lord, I just want to thank you for this night. And I just thank you, God, that you are here in our midst, that you are the God of all hope, that, Lord, we don't serve a hopeless God. We don't serve a religion that has no hope, but because, Lord, you're not still on the cross, but you have resurrected. We have hope, Lord, hope for now, hope for today, Lord, and we have eternal hope, and we want to say thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, as I minister tonight and as I speak your word, that you would speak through me and that each person here would be able to receive these words. Lord, I believe it's a prophetic word, Lord, to our church for today, for families that are represented here, that it's a prophetic word. And I pray, God, that we would hear it, that we would say yes to it, and that, Lord, then we would act on it and we would see, Lord, that the best is about to take place in our life. That yesterday has nothing compared with what you're going to do today in our lives, in our marriages, Lord, in our businesses, in our church, God, in our city. That, God, you are going to do something great, and I just want to say thank you for it. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Well, why don't you turn with me to John chapter 2. We've been reading in our quiet time in the book of John. And um, if you don't have a Bible reading guide, we have Bible reading guides in the back. Did you see our new Bible reading guide we just passed out Sunday? Be sure to get one because you will find that Pastor John or Pastor Mike or myself or whoever's teaching or leading a small group, we tend to speak a lot from what we've been reading because it's fresh man, it's fresh, a wor- fresh word from God. We've just read it. We've just been ministered to by it. And so I want to encourage you, the ushers will have them at the back as you leave today, and um, get caught up. We're in the book of John. But anyways, I'm going to look at John chapter 2. And as I was reading this, I just really started taking notes the other morning and just started writing this out because I felt like this was a now word for our church. And it's about how Jesus changed the water to wine. And you know, wine symbolizes joy. Wine is is symbolic of, of, of just the joy of the Lord. And Jesus did a miracle at the wedding in Cana, and he turned the water into wine. Let's read it. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Now listen to this. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And listen what they did. So they filled them to the brim. Then he took them, told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did it. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom and said, Everybody brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine. After the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. And this is what the word of the Lord was saying to me. God has saved the best till now. And I really felt like it was for some marriages in our churches, in our church for some families. That some of you may have started good, 
thought you had a good thing going. But God's saying, ha, you only thought it was good, but I'm saving the best till now. Some of you have never really had a good marriage. Some of you have struggled most of your married life, and you've stayed together, whether it was for the kids' sake or for because of the commitment you made and because under God you felt that this was what he wanted. But God wanted to tell you tonight, I have saved the best till now. I want to read you a scripture out of Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. It says, The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And listen to this in the Message Bible. This temple is going to end up far better than it started out. A glorious beginning, but an even more glorious finish. A place in which I will hand out wholeness and holiness. Now, I want to talk about two words here. First of all, it talks about greater. And when I looked at this in several different translations, greater was translated more glorious, more splendid, far better than it started out. And then it also talks about peace. And this word peace is the word shalom in the Hebrew. And shalom means wholeness. Not just the peace where mentally we're at peace, but it's talking about physically being whole. It's talking about emotionally being whole. It's talking about spiritually being whole. Shalom means so much. And so this, this word peace has been translated soundness, health, prosperity, even holiness. That's what God is talking about, that the, the, the latter house today, your life. Now, you may not be married here, and you may say, well, how does this apply to me? I believe that this is about this church, that no matter what, how good it was formed, no matter what has happened in the past, today, God is going to do a better thing, a greater thing. I believe this is about businesses and people that are represented here that are business people. That God's saying, it may have been good in the past. It may have been horrible in the past. But today I'm going to do a new thing. And I'm going to make it better than it has ever been before. So, I have saved the best till now. And that's the word of the Lord. Let's look about this story back in John 2. And I hope you saved your place there. Let's look at that story and see exactly what was taking place. If you look at verse 5, Mary told the servants, do whatever he tells you. I believe the first key to our having a better life, to our walking in something better, is whatever he says, just do it. And let me tell you something. Many of us have received prophetic words. Many of us have had counsel, have, have written down things that the Holy Spirit has showed us or that God's word has revealed to us about things God's told us to do, and we've not done it. And we're going, God, give me a word. God, I want to hear from you. God, I want to know what I need to do. And God's not going to tell us to do anything more until we get done what he's already told us to do. And Mary told the servants, just do Whatever he says. And Jesus looked and saw these big uh, 30 to 40 gallon jars that were empty. And he said, fill them up with water. And what I think was interesting about 
these servants is they didn't just fill them up halfway. They didn't even fill them up three-quarters way. They didn't even worry about it spilling over the top. It says they filled them to the brim. Do you know that often when we obey God, we only do it half-hearted? You know, God tells us, love your wife. God says, wives, honor your husbands. God says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse. And we just say, well, God, that's a, that's a tough word. I don't know how I'm going to honor my husband. He's just not very honorable. I'm not talking about my husband. Sorry. No. <laughs> I always get in trouble because I say things and he hears about them. But we, we, we say, God, that's tough. And God, I'll try it. Uh, you know, we watched um, Valentine's Day. We watched, um, I think it was, what is it, Fire, Fireproof. Again, the movie Fireproof. And, of course, Rebecca was there with us, and we were watching it. And at first, this husband, who was doing this love deer on his wife, he did it half-hearted. He just obeyed the rules. It said, do something nice for your wife. Okay, here, here's a cup of coffee. That's checked off the list. I've been nice to her today. And, you know, it says, don't say anything bad. So instead of retorting back to her when she said something ugly to him, he just closed his mouth and he checked it off the list. I believe that's the way we are with God. God says, do something. And we do it begrudgingly. We do it out of obligation. We do it because God said to do it. But we don't put our heart in it. These men did it wholeheartedly. They filled those water jugs to the brim. Let's look and turn with me. I want to read you a story in 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings 13, and this is about a king, Jehoash, and about Elisha, the prophet. And I'm going to look at verse 14. It says, now Elisha was suffering from an illness from which he died. And Jehoash, which was not a good king, he was, it says he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but somehow he had a link to Elisha. And it says he went down to see him and wept over him. He said, my father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. So he obeyed the word of the Lord. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elijah said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and then stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. This is a story of a king who obeyed, but only did just enough. He struck the ground with those arrows, but only just enough to look obedient. Only just enough to look submissive. Only just enough to look like he was compliant, like he was obeying the word of the Lord. But because he didn't do it enough, because he didn't do it with his whole heart, because he didn't do it passionately with, with faith, believing that as he struck the ground, that something was going to happen, that it was a prophetic act, it says, the, Elisha said, 
Because you only did it three times, three times you'll defeat the Syrians. But after that, they're going to come and they're going to defeat you. That's the way we are often with God. We do just enough. Just enough to look religious. Just enough to look like a Christian. Just enough to have this outward facade. But God's looking for people that will seek him wholeheartedly, that will obey him with their whole heart, that will say, God, if you said it, then I'm going to do it. I'm not going to go my way anymore. I'm not going to do it my way anymore. The way I've done it in the past, it's just not worked. It's not happened. And like I said, I keep bringing up marriages. I really believe this passionately with my heart, that there are people that are that far from calling it quits, that far from saying it's not worth it. I have tried, and it hasn't worked. I have done what the Bible said, and it's not worked. Can I tell you something? You've not done it with all your heart. You have not tried wholeheartedly and struck the ground with that area arrows and said, the enemy's going to be defeated in my marriage. He's going to be defeated in my life. Some of you here said, I've tried to tithe, but it just doesn't work. I just don't have enough money. I tried to tithe, and I lost my job. So therefore, it must not work. It must not be a God thing. You know, when God says to do something, it's because he wants to bless you, because he wants to give you something better than you had. Those servants at the wedding in Cana didn't just fill the, the jars up just enough to look like they were obeying Jesus' command. But they filled it to the brim with anticipation that a miracle was about to happen. What did Pastor Mike say tonight? He said, pray and believe like it's already happened. You know, when you obey God, you have to believe that if God said it, he's about to do something great. Let's keep looking at this story back in John 2. You have to do it wholeheartedly with expectation when Jesus says to do something, you got to do it. And number three, you have to step out in faith, believing that when he says he's going to do something, it's already done. In verse 8, Jesus told the servants, now draw some of that out and take it to the master of the banquet. And it says, they did so. In the Message Bible, it said, and Jesus said, and they did. Remember the old saying, at least when it was old when I was a kid. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Have you all heard that? Well, you know, really, God said it. That settles it. Whether we believe it or not. Because God is not a man that he can lie. Nor the son of man that he can change his mind. Has he not said it, and will he not do it? That's out of numbers. I'd have to look, I'll look up that scripture in just a minute. If God says it, it's already a done deal. It's already something because his words have power. It was his words that created the heavens and the earth. He spoke, let there be light. Boom, what happened? There was light. If he has given you a promise, he will do it. He will perform it. But we've got to get in line, and we've got to obey his words so we can receive it. The promise that God has given us at, for this season in our church is I have saved the best till now. Don't you want something better in your life? Don't you want more joy in your life? 
Don't you want more prosperity in your life? Walk in more health. Walk in more divine anointing. Seeing miracles taking place. Seeing things turned around. Seeing your kids loving God and serving God. and The best has been saved till now. That's what God is saying. So they had to step out in faith. You know, it doesn't say that they said, well, let's taste this first. Let's see if this is the real deal. Because it doesn't say that he turned it into red wine. It could very well have been white wine. And that water didn't look much different after he performed a miracle as it, than it did before. And I don't know that the miracle took place until they dipped it out and they brought it to the ruler of the, of the wedding. And it wasn't until they served it to him, I believe, that the miracle took place because they had to step out in faith. Peter, when he got out of the boat, did he know he could walk on water? Had he tested it to see if it would hold his weight? He had to step out in faith. What about when Peter, when Jesus told Peter, drop your nets out of the boat? And he said, oh, God. Oh, Jesus, I have fished all night, and they're not biting tonight. They're just nowhere to be seen. I mean, you know, what's the deal here? But, you know, it wasn't, I, I don't believe it was until he let those nets down that the fish all of a sudden miraculously appeared. Let me read you another story we just read in John. Turn to chapter 4. Chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 46. It says, once more he visited Cana in Galilee. And this is just right after he turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. And Jesus said, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, you may go, your son will live. And look what this man did. It says the man took Jesus at his word and departed. Now, he didn't see a miracle. He had no one telling him a miracle has just taken place. Your son is alive. He had no way of knowing what was going on. For all he knew, his son was already dead. But he took Jesus at his word. Can I tell you that when God promises something, he will perform it. And you have got to decide, are you going to take him at his word? God, you said you were going to heal my marriage. God, you said you were going to bring the prodigal home, my, my son, my daughter. God, you said that you were going to prosper and bless this business. God, you said, are you going to take him at his word? Because he said it, therefore I'm going to believe it and I'm going to act on it. It says that man immediately departed and he went home believing that God said it, Jesus said it, and therefore it's happened. And as he was headed home, it says that his servants met him and said, your son's alive. And he said, well, what time? What time did, did the miracle take place? And they said, at 1 o'clock. And he said, that's the time that the master said that my son was healed. Listen, if you don't believe the promise of God, you will never see it take place. If you don't act like you believe it. Maybe you've been praying for healing in your body. And you've said, God. You said that I would be healed. You said that you would take away this infirmity. You said, 
Are you acting on that word? Are you doing what he's told you to do? Are you pursuing it with all of your heart? I think Pastor Mike said tonight, for those of you that have had sickness, and I've said this to many people as I prayed for them, you sow prayer into someone else's life. In fact, when I am going to visit someone in the hospital, and I know if somebody else is as sick as them or that is fighting with the same disease, I'll say, you need to be praying for so-and-so. You need to be sowing your prayers in their life because they're struggling. And as you sow, you're going to reap. You think it's only in money. If I, if I sow money into the kingdom, I'm going to reap money. No, if you sow prayers into other people's lives, rather than it all be about me. Oh, God, I'm so sick. you got to heal me. Oh, God, I need your help. Oh, God, my finances. Oh, God, my marriage. No, if you've got an issue, pray for somebody else. You know, it was really interesting. You know, we had the prophets here a couple of weeks ago that came, um, Cleveland Chandler. Chandler, Cleveland, yes. China and Chandler, Cleveland. And um, <clears throat> they spoke about a season coming in our church and about increase and about it happening supernaturally. Well, we, that Sunday night after they left, we started praying. And we were praying for around the world. We were praying for our city. We were praying for our nation. I mean, we were sowing prayers outside the walls of this church. We weren't just praying for each other. We weren't praying, God, just bless Pastor Joe and bless me and bless... No, we were, we were praying outside the walls. Well, you know, uh, that week, Pat got a call from an intercessor. Came here 10 years ago, five, five years ago. Can't even tell her, tell her name. She came one time. And she said, God put your church on my heart. And repeated ex almost exactly what Cleveland Chandler, Chandler Cleveland, had said. <laughs> it's confusing. Had said to, over our church, repeated it, and that she was praying for it. And I said, God, you said if we would sow, if we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, then all these things would be added. As you sow in other people's lives, if you're struggling in an area, maybe it's a business area, and finances, if you're struggling, you need to be praying for others around you, praying for prosperity to come to their business, praying for, for ideas for their business, praying for finances for other people. If you're praying, Lord, bring home my prodigal son, bring home my prodigal daughter, you need to pick some other sons and daughters of friends that you know, neighbors, and start praying for them because then God will honor. And you're praying, believing that Yours is coming home because God's promised that. Yours is not just for me, the salvation, but for my whole household. And God, I'm just standing on that. So I'm going to start praying for this other household and this other family. And I believe that as we sow and stand and believe that God will do a miracle. So these guys stepped out in faith, brought that wine to that official, not knowing if the water had turned to wine, not knowing if it was any good, not knowing if it was sour. But by faith, saying, Jesus said, therefore I'm going to believe it, he tastes this. And the, that ruler over that area said, this is the best wine. And you saved the best till now. We have to take Jesus at his word. If he said it, we have to choose to believe him. If he promised it, we're going to have to stand and say, God, you said, and so therefore I'm going to believe and then we have to just do it. The Nike, just do it. If he told you to start a ministry, 
but you're struggling at home and you're struggling in this area at work and you're struggling in that area. And God has said, if you will step out in faith and do this, but we've not done it because everything's just not lined up. We're not going to see our miracle until we obey. We're not going to see our miracle until we do what Jesus said. And not just do it a little, but do it all the way. Do it with all of our heart, wholeheartedly, with passion, with conviction, believing. God said to start this business, therefore I'm going to believe that God's going to bless it. And I'm going to obey and do it right. God said to start tithing. And although on paper I can't figure out how I can do it, I can't, my finances don't look like I'm going to be able to pay all my bills, but I'm going to do it because God said to do it. And I'm going to believe he's going to take care of me. Husbands, God said, love your wives. You know, I feel like some of you are supposed to do that love dare here. You're supposed to love your wives and treat them with honor and respect. Wives, you need to honor your husbands. Show them that they are worth having in your home. Even if you think you'd just be as glad if they moved out, you need to change your attitude towards them. Respect them. Honor them. You need to encourage them. You need to be their best fan and their best friend. And if you will do that with all of your heart, and if you will sow that into your marriage, the word of the Lord tonight is that God, has saved the best till now. He will change your circumstance at home. Don't wait till someone else does their part. Don't wait until you see the miracle already take place and then start doing your part. you got to step out and start doing it now. God, I don't know. This sure looks like water, but I'm taking it by faith. And I'm going to present it. And by faith, I know it's going to be the best. By faith, I'm going to do what you've told me to do, and I'm going to see this situation turned around, see a miracle take place. By faith, God, my body says I'm sick. My body says that I am struggling with issues, but by faith, God, you said you were going to heal me. You said that you sent my, your word and healed all of my diseases, and God, I am by faith going to believe and plan for the future where I'm going to be able to do the things you've called me to do, and I'm not going to let this infirmity Hold me back. By faith, I'm going to believe your word. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to take you at your word, and I'm going to act on it. And that was the word of the Lord tonight. To Church on the Rock, Texarkana. To every family represented here. The best. He has saved the best till now. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. Lord, I just pray for every person that's here today. God, first of all, I want to pray for those that are hurting. Those, Lord, as we said today during worship, that have lost hope. Those that can't see where you're working and how you're working. And I pray today that you would speak a fresh rhema word in their life about their situation, about what you are doing to them and for them right now. God, you want to turn their water into wine. You want to give them fresh joy. You want to give them fresh strength. You want to fill them with new hope. You want them to know that, God, what you said you're going to perform. 
what you promised. It's already a done deal. And we just have to believe it. And we have to walk and to receive it. Pray for those that are struggling with health issues. God, I speak, Lord, healing over their life tonight. I speak, Lord, that their body would be, have shalom, which is wholeness, which is peace, that physically their body would be at peace. That, Lord, your blood would flow through their veins and bring health and bring healing. I pray, Lord, for homes, Lord, that are struggling, whether it's the marriages, Lord, whether it's children in the home that are rebellious. God, I pray tonight that you would speak a word, Lord, of hope, a word, Lord, of faith, fresh faith, Lord, and that, God, you would show them what they need to do. Some here are needing to start devotions in their home, reading their Bibles, praying with their family. Some here, Lord, you've told to sow a seed outside of their own home, outside of their own business, to bless maybe another nation to bless, Lord, another business to bless another family. And God, they've just wondered how they could do that. But God, I pray that we would have the courage to obey you. And God, we would not do it half-heartedly. We would not do it just a little. But God, we would fill it to the brim. We would obey you with all of our heart, knowing, God, that as we strike that arrow against the ground, that we are doing it in faith, seeing the enemy defeated. As we strike that arrow against the ground, that we would do it until we know that we have the victory. God, help us to see every act of obedience as warfare. Every act of obedience is an act of faith. That, God, you are a miracle-working God. And I want to thank you for that. God, you do miracles. You do miracles, Lord, and that you desire to do a miracle in each and every life here. I pray, Lord, for those that are fighting with depression, with discouragement, Lord. I pray today that, God, they would take your word. And they'd say, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's my word. I'm going to have fresh joy today. That the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I pray, Lord, that they would choose to believe, Lord, that you want to give them joy. Fresh joy. Joy for the journey. Joy that would be their strength, would be their portion. And, Lord, I just want to pray for those that are struggling with their finances. Father, I just felt like you were going to reverse some financial situations, Lord, in our church. That you were going to turn some areas around. And that as we obey you and as we step out in faith. And as we believe, Lord, that your word says that you would open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there would not be room enough to contain it. I pray, Father, for those that are struggling in financial areas, whether it's their business, whether it's just that they have so much debt, whatever it is that's going on. That, Lord, you would give them fresh hope, a fresh word from you. And that, God, you would help them to obey you in their finances. And that, God, the best has been saved till now. That they would walk debt-free, being able to love you and to serve you and to advance the kingdom of God and being able to see, Lord, those things that you had promised them take place. Pray for those that don't have a job. That, God, as they go and they sow those applications and they go and they've turned in those resumes, that, Lord, you would open doors for them. 
God, I just thank you that as a church, the best is yet to come. We're going to see supernatural increase in this church. That's what you said. We're going to see miracles take place in this church. That's what you said, Lord. And we are getting ourselves in position, God. We are obeying you. We are running hard after you. We are seeking you with passion, with fervor. God, because we don't want to miss out on anything you're about to do. And I just want to say thank you, Lord, that you're an awesome God. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so very, very much. I bless each one that's here today in the name of Jesus. Amen.